Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week we're featuring a special Q&A from our one-night-only 35mm screening of Licorice Pizza, with director Paul Thomas Anderson, stars Alana Haim, Cooper Hoffman, and Benny Safdie. Moderated by FLC Senior Vice President Eugene Hernandez. Licorice Pizza is the story of Alana Kane and Gary Valentine, growing up, running around, and falling in love in the San Fernando Valley in 1973. Written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, the film tracks the treacherous navigation of first love. Let's go to the conversation about the Academy Award-nominated film. We're all giddy because it's the last, it's our, like, the final night of our tour tonight. I know. Final show. Final show on the tour. It's been a long tour. Um, A big part of the tour started on this stage. I think one of your first screenings was here back in... December, November. November. Yeah. uh, So welcome back. Yeah. Thank you. It's great to be back. Glad to have you back at Film at Lincoln Center. And, you know, I was thinking we're going to dig into the movie and um, talk a bit, but I was thinking you were at the uh, New York Film Critics last night, Film Critics Circle. And I was really moved by what you said, Paul, about just this idea of not just the relationship between critics and and film culture, uh, the kind of movies we show on this on this screen. Um, but also just the the big screen experience. And I know this theater means a lot to you. I know that big screens are an important part of um, how this movie has been um, screened in, you know, in, on film as we saw it tonight. Uh, but maybe just as an opener, just, you know, share with us and share with our audience, you know, why the why this this communal experience of cinema is still so important to you. Well, <clears throat> I mean, I think we're all here because we already know, you know, so because you feel you 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 feel better uh, when you see a movie big, when you see it loud, when you see it with other people. Um, It's it's a a, it's a it's a more enjoyable experience. I mean, I don't think anybody would question that. Um, But what you ha- what I was trying to talk about last night, I was really just trying to thank the film studio and, and the other distributors around this time who were, it's become a real pain in the ass, you know? Mm-hmm. It used to be the way that you put movies out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard, it's hard. It's a lot easier to just upload it and put it on a TV, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. But um, it's, it's challenging, it's challenging to get people to pay attention to your film and remind them where, where, where a theater is, if it even exists still in their neighborhood. And um, it, 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 it's shockingly kind of like climbing back up mountain again to mm-hmm. just sort of remind people that this is the best way to do it. Um, but we're all here already. We know something not, not a lot of other people know. So. Well, it was super special to have it uh, on this screen and in 35 tonight, and it sounded Great, and I know there are a bunch of people here in the audience who saw it for the first time, as I was telling you earlier, which was really special. So um, thank you all for sharing that experience with all of us, and thank you to each of you for ending your your world tour with us on this stage tonight, and we wish you um, nothing but the best next week uh, when you take the film back to LA and um, at the Oscars. We wish you all the best, and congratulations. So let, let's dig into it. Um, you know, I was thinking about, uh, well, I have to say, I, you know, I 
I, I'm a couple years older than Paul and a couple years younger than the characters in the movie. I grew up in um, a valley in Southern California, so the movie just resonates so much for me, and there was just so much texture that, that just sort of felt like so real and authentic and natural. Um, but uh, if you don't mind, you know, we're, I'm gonna dig into just a little bit of how you all collaborated. I'm glad we can have all of you on the stage today. Um, and I thought, I, I was struck by something you said, Paul, in uh, one of the notes or something, you were talking about how it was one of the tightest scripts that you've had. Uh, what did, why, how did that come about? How did, how did it so happen that? Well, I'll tell you, um, <clears throat> sometimes, I don't know if there's any writers here, but sometimes you, you, um, you get an idea and rather than think it all the way through, you just start writing and you think, well, maybe I'll just box my way through this and I'll, and I'll wrestle the story or the story will emerge. Luckily, I'd been thinking about this story and never wrote anything down for about 20-something years. <clears throat> and it taught me that that's a good way to do it if you have 20 years to spare. <laughs> um, and because I collected all these stories, um, all of these stories are based in fact, um, or at least fact, according to the legend, you know, as they were told to me. And, um, and so I just kept thinking about it. There was something about the story that I never wanted to write down until I could kind of know these people a little bit better. And so when I did finally sit down to write it, um, it came out really fully formed. It came out, and it came out quite easily after all the work that I'd done in my mind, it, it, it presented itself very naturally. And, um, and um, it was a world that I knew really well, obviously. So I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't flounder in the script with scenes that needed to, to come out or, 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 or maybe some blind alleys and dead ends and things like that. I was able to really just be clear about what the focus of the story was or when it needed to be unfocused and, uh -huh. and, and move and weave. So when you say it came out uh, easy for you, what does that mean in terms of your process? Does that mean like it just like you sit down and you just uh, that, bang it out? Or yeah, no, it? that means sitting down and writing the first scene. They meet each other and then right. getting to, let's say, the beginning of what I would call the second scene, which is their first date, but then going to bed and then waking up the next morning and writing that date, you know, and kind of taking it in chunks. And um, once upon a I mean, I, once upon a time is, um, I don't know who said this, but I got great advice for writers, which is never um, spend everything you have when you're writing, always leave something for the next day. Because you don't want to wake up the next morning not knowing what to do. You want to wake up excited that you know what you're going to start writing the next day. You just have to have the discipline to not start doing it so you're anxious to go back and be with your characters and so by by quickly and easily I don't want to give you the impression that it just like I snap my fingers you know you have to work through it but it took about um, uh, maybe about three months two or three months 20 years plus three months yeah exactly that's right yeah 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 so they're not that... always they're not all like that you know right. they're not all like that so so in this case then over this 20 years and we're gonna get into this in a minute but over this 20 years so you said you're like filing these things away, yeah. but not knowing sort of how the, all these pieces were going to add up? Well, or did you have sort of an arc of something that started to emerge in that 20 years? No, that's a good question, is that I had one thing very strong, uh, which was um, 20 years ago I saw a young, uh, a young kind of annoying kid at picture day at a, at a junior high school, Portola Junior High School in my neighborhood. 
it was picture day, and it was October, and all the kids were lined up on the blacktop, and I noticed a kid who was really irritating to this one girl that worked at the company, and I lodged it away in my mind as this really wonderful kind of premise for a film, like, um, you know, well, what happens if that kid actually got a date with that girl who was out of his league? And what, but, but beyond that, what, what the hell would be going on with her that she would actually turn up, you know, and think that that was a good idea? And it was kind of a screwball comedy idea, and I, I, it never went away from me. I always thought about it and thought about it. And then, um, and that's one thing. And then another thing is a friendship I have with this guy named Gary Getzman. Film special thanks to him there. And for anybody who knows him, he's now a producer, mm -hmm. but he started his life as a child actor. Uh, he was in a film called Yours, Mine, and Ours, which we did there. And he started a waterbed company, he started a pinball. He was arrested for murder, and it was a <laughs> case of mistaken identity. All this kind of stuff are episodes from his life. And I, I had heard all these stories for many, many years, but they became very pronounced in my life when we lost Jonathan Demme. Uh, after I shoot, shot Phantom Thread, I was spending a lot of time with Gary as the result of that, because they were very close. Oh. And so all these stories were emerging again. The third strand of this 20-year story is my relationship that started with Alana about six or seven years ago, working with her uh, and her sisters and her band. And if you're lucky as a writer, all this stuff one day kind of starts smacking you in the face and saying, dummy, you've got it right in front of your face. Yeah. Sit down and put all these pieces together and you've got a story. Um, and that's more, listen, that's more or less how I remember it happened. But I always, I, I, I always have this fantasy that if the script could, could be up here and like have a mouth. It would be like, that's not at all what happened. Well, so we, know? Can, we can fact check it right now <laughs> exactly. and see what others have to say. It would say like, say. That's, not, that's not how it went. Thank you. Alana, welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I read in one of the notes or something that, um, that you, so you get the script from Paul. Yes. Um, and I think I read that you read it five times. I did. So is that five times before you gave him any feedback? Did you know the script was coming? Like, help me understand the conversation that, that leads to you getting a script that you can read five times, and then the conversation that you, the initial conversation that you and Paul have. I called Paul after the first read. Um, and You're I in London at the, this point. I was in London. Um, me and my siblings had just we had just shot Summer Girl together, a, a music video that um, with my band Haim. Uh, so I was incredibly jet lagged, um, but I got this script and I read it immediately. I mean, anything that Paul gives me, I'm just like very excited about. But um, I read this script. I had a feeling it was coming, and then it came, and I was very thankful. And I read it, and. I mean, the original script, it didn't change that much, but it was so amazing. I mean, I had never read a script before, so sorry, there's not many things that I can <laughs> compare it to. Catwoman could have been a great script. But it was know? a great... But I, I knew, I mean, the, the characters and all the crazy things like really did jump off the page, and it was... I mean, there was everything. There was the truck scene. There was... Joel Wax, there was everything was in that script and I and I fell in love with these two people so immediately and I knew it was gonna be incredible and I was really hoping that I I was like, I'm gonna get I've gotta do this. Like this is incredible. And I called Paul and I remember just being so excited at like four in the morning in London 
and going through every single part of that script, I was just so incredibly excited about it. And then he finally asked on bended knee. <laughs> no, it wasn't like that, but um, we talked about Alana and even though she is a little unhinged and kind of crazy and yells a lot, I knew I, the only thing that I was like, I don't know if I could do this is the driving, but I was like, I'll figure it out and I'm not gonna tell Paul about that. But, um, <laughs> but I loved her. And I loved Gary. I loved the character Gary. And it was a very easy yes. And then, you know, of course, you go to bed and you're just like, what, what is this actually going to happen? Like, am I actually going to do this? And thankfully, I did. I got to do it. And I was very thankful. <laughs> well, let me ask you to elaborate on that then. So tell me, tell me if you can remember what were some of the things that, that, that drew you to Alana and to Gary? What were, do you remember what were there moments? Were there aspects of their characters? Were there certain scenes that you just... It was just what so resonated? funny. And it made me laugh, which was the best part about it. I mean, and I'm a sucker for laughter. I love... Since I was very young, all I wanted to do was make people laugh. And reading something and actually laughing out loud while I was reading it. And I noticed it halfway through. I was like, I'm actually laughing reading this and I can't put it down. And the thought of being in a theater and hearing people laugh, I mean, the, like, what's better than that? I, I, there is nothing better than that. I, I love making people laugh and, and having this thing that was making me laugh. I knew other people would laugh because I feel like, you know, come on. <laughs> but it was just so great. And, and I loved how funny it was. And to have a smile on my face after reading this script, I knew that it was going to be great. Congratulations. Thank you. I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Cooper. Hello. It's nice to meet oh, you. Welcome. Wait, is um, this? Yeah. Kind of a similar question, but I would love to. I mean, I would love to hear from. We can fact check whether um, <laughs> Paul was correct in sort of his, you know, exam explanation of how the sort of script came to be, or maybe just share some of uh, the script coming to you and and maybe your early conversations with each other about it. Yeah, I had no clue Paul was writing this, uh, and I didn't know it beforehand, so I can't really speak to that, I think. Um, but um, the script coming to me was Paul sent it to me when I was in New York, and I was in my bedroom, and he said, and he called me, he said, I want to send you a script. Um, and if you could read it and just kind of give me your thoughts. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Paul's never asked me to read a, read a script before, so that was also a little bit like, why are you... I'm, so that was going to be my question. Like, what, what was the conversation before he calls you to say I'm going to? There send was you? no conversation. That was the conversation. He was. It was just very much, and so. But, but the thing is, and Paul has called me out for this many a time. I didn't read it when he first gave it to me. You did not. No, I didn't. I I I I, I think I waited two days. Mm -hmm. Two days. It's too, long. it's too long. It's two days too long. It's too long. <laughs> and and now I wish I read it the first time. But but when I did read it, I, I um. I I loved it. Um, I loved Gary. It was kind of I, I think it wasn't as much laughter for me as this kind of constantly being anxious and and that kind of feeling that I feel like when people watch the truck scene. I don't know if you got that feeling of constantly being anxious. And that was the kind of the thing for me that was so kind of the fact that I could read something that I knew was fake and still made me feel that way. And it was so nice to feel that. And I think that's 
Listen, Paul also didn't give me an offer. I want to make that perfectly clear as well. <laughs> this was how did you feel about the script? And so I and so I called him. I said I loved it. I love Gary. I love Alana. I love the fact that Gary, you know, doesn't have a dad. It's just a single mother. Like there's a lot of things I connected to with the character. Yeah. Um, not and I, I think I was pitching myself a little bit to him as well. Um, but then we got done talking, and he said, "I'm coming into New York." to do um, auditions, yeah. and I want you to read it just to see what it sounds like out loud. And I swear to God, guys, I swear to God, I sat in my chair and I said, he wants me to do something with this movie. I swear to God. <laughs> um, and so anyway, we get done, he comes to New York and we do the reading, and right then and there, I knew I wanted to be a part of it the second we got done with the reading. Because um, I think for my entire life, I, I don't think I ever really wanted to be an actor, so to speak, but I wanted to do something like a creative project with people that I loved. And I mean, I couldn't have picked better people to do it with. Yeah. Even the people that I met the first day, like Benny, I'd never met Benny before. Love Benny. Now I love Benny. I love Benny. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's the best. I feel the same way. He's no, the first you're time the best. Um, and so that was kind of, that was, that I knew the second that I read it that there wasn't going to be a day that I regretted not doing it. And I said, Paul, the second, we did the reading the day afterwards. I was like, I want to do this. I don't know if I remember. I, I, I think in my mind I remember crying, but I don't think I cried. But I was like, I want to do it so badly. I don't, I, I don't know the kind of words to explain how much I want to do this. I might have jumped the gun because I don't even know if I really wanted to do it at the time. I think I was just so excited and running off adrenaline. But, um, but then it was a long process from that point to actually getting him to say, you got the part. So, yeah, that was my relationship with the script <laughs> it was dramatic and why did you wait the f two days you just okay, so listen, were busy that's a great question it's a great question um uh, i don't really have a reason to be honest um i was i don't know how old was i 15 when you sent me the script you were old enough to know better okay well here's the thing, here's the, thing. the thing is is that i think i think now i appreciate paul i i think i appreciate paul as a as a artist and as a person way more now than I probably did at the time. Cause Paul was uncle Paul to me at the time. I need everyone to know that Paul held me as a baby. You know, it was kind of that relationship where I was like, fuck it, Paul. Sorry, excuse my language. Um, Paul sent me this thing. I'll wait two days and then read it and then tell him how I feel about it. It wasn't really, but now I, now I know when Paul sends you something, or tells you something, you do it the second you hear it or get the email. And that has become very apparent and very perfectly clear now. <laughs> but then I think it was, I don't know, I think I had basketball practice. I swear to God, I think it was probably that or something along those lines. I called his mom. I said, is there anything going on over the next couple like, days? And she said, no, it's a perfect time. <laughs> well, also, here's the thing. But by the way, I, I would like to say this. Paul wanted to keep it like he wasn't going to ask me to do the part. My mom was like, Paul keeps calling me a lot about you. And I was like, hmm, very interesting. Very interesting. I had the power in that moment and only that moment. And I gave it up way too quickly. <laughs> And you're yeah. on the other end, like asking someone out on a date and just waiting. Like you're just like, why is he not calling? Like what no. is going on here? Well, no, I knew I I knew him well enough to know that his attention span was um, very short, and and, <laughs> and and he could get distracted very easily. But um, I thought that would also be great for the part. Yeah. You know? Hi, I'm Clinton Crute. And I'm Devika Girish. We're the editors of Film Comment. The Film Comment Letter is a free weekly digital newsletter featuring original film criticism and writing by Film Comment's editors and brilliant contributors. 
The letter delivers exclusive features, reviews, interviews, streaming picks, news, and more directly to subscribers' inboxes every Thursday before they're published on filmcomment.com the following Monday. Sign up today at filmcomment.com to get the letter every week. Support independent film journalism. Support Film Comment. Benny, how long did you wait uh, after Paul sent you the script? <laughs> Please um, tell me you didn't wait more than two I did days. Definitely, no, I definitely, I don't think I waited more than a few, like, hours, right? It did you guys pretty, know each was, other? Had you guys met and stuff? We had met just pretty recently um, yeah. before that um, through Sandler. But it wasn't like a full, we were like, we didn't get close until this, but I remember. Adam Sandler brought you two together? Yes. Is that what you're and saying? So, so we, and then we had seen each other a couple of times, and then you asked me to read. And like, would I do that? I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. You know, it's like, I, it's, it's a weird experience, but I was like, I'll, I'll go for it. And then you just sent me like, you sent me the whole script. So I read the whole script and then you're like, all right, now these are all the scenes. And then it was all of them that I had to be prepared for on the Zoom. And I was just like, all right, just going to do it the next day. It was just, it was weird because I had actually had some practice with Zoom. So I, I had my eye lines down on the Zoom and I remember you're like, what is, what is going on? You're actually looking at people on the Zoom here. But um, it was, yeah, that was a weird, a weird experience to do that because it was in the middle of the pandemic, like even though we're still in it right now. But to do that in the middle of like literally right before that I was doing like a radio show in my like, um, in my like on the dining room table. And then next thing I know is I'm slicking my hair back and I'm trying to be this, this guy, Joel Wax. But um, I remember you asking me to scream from the mountaintops and I was in it was in my room and, I just started, and my wife looks and she's like what the hell is going on in there because I just fucking scream into this thing but. amazing um Paul, so odd to think that I actually auditioned you Benny now that we've done it it's just like what, what the fuck was I thinking right, just like just give him the fucking part I mean you know I think I yeah I was yeah I needed it because I tried I didn't think of Benny um it took me too long to think of Benny, which is the best idea I ever had. And yeah. had been auditioning actors, and they'd been good, but something just kind of wasn't right. And so by that time, my head is, had actually been twisted around. That yeah. it was like, I know that this is a great idea, and I can't believe I thought of it too late. But by asking him to audition was a little bit like, just can you just help me get out of... And I knew that he would understand that as well as a filmmaker. Uh-huh that sometimes things are perfectly clear to you, what you need, or you audition an actor and straight away you know you have it right. Other par- parts present more of a challenge. Yeah. And you're, 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 you're playing more defense. You're a bit confused by it. Yeah. It was also the final real piece of the puzzle. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did feel, <laughs> I felt quite a bit of pressure as well, knowing that it was the end of the film. Um, yeah. And I just had gotten a bit lost out to get the right person to play it. Mm-hmm. And it was just, so it was very, very important to me. And having him audition was just like, throw me a bone. Yeah, to make, you know, to help give me a favor. This right. yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I figured. And I, and I was like, hey, I, don't, I don't mind, you know, so. Um, You're like, yeah, I can do that for you. Paul yeah, Thomas was, Anderson, that's fine. It I was a, a, help a you feeling, out yeah, I was, I was throwing the bone there. <laughs> um, I, I liked that, um, and something I read that, that you mentioned American Graffiti as a reference. So I want to talk for a minute just about, about references and films and sort of things that maybe either you were thinking about or that you might have shared with the folks you were collaborating with. Um, but that one, I mean, makes total sense. Yeah. 
Well, that one's just very close to my heart. And my, my it's funny because, you know, um, it, while it takes place in Modesto, California, yeah. which is up in the north, you know, it looks exactly like the San Fernando Valley. They're kind of interchangeable. So seeing it as a kid, I thought it was just a story about where I lived in, in the 50s. You know, it's yeah. the same cars, same style, right. same same structure of the buildings. It's California. So, um, and I suppose that, you know, any filmmaker will, if you're making a film, you, you are always kind of out on the lookout for something that can give you a little bit of, hints about what you're doing or to measure yourself up against and say what, what what what's what's what are the good ones in this world you know and the best ones are american graffiti the mm -hmm. best ones are fast times at ridgemont high yeah. you know um those are the ones that i go back to dazed and confused is the other fantastic yeah, one sure. those three so um american graffiti is terrific um for a number of reasons not the least of which is um how, com how compact the storytelling is, but also mm. loose at the same time, you yeah. know, that kind of thing when two things are at odds, but they, and also the style of it, you know. Um, you know, it looks, it looks a bit grungy, but it also has enough um, style to it that it's not just dirty, you know, it's not. Do you feel like this looks grungy at all? Well, I don't, no, I don't think it looks grungy, but hopefully it, it looks um, authentic to the period, right. you know, right. particularly, you know, in everybody's, complexions and yeah. the greasy hair and all that kind of stuff you have yeah. to kind of um i think you know it can it's very distracting in period films when things are too clean um or they're kind of lo looked at in a through a kind of modern lens you know i find i do find that distracting so yeah um but yeah you know you, but you're also making a movie you know you also have to give it some um romance i suppose um, well, maybe I'll ask you to elaborate that uh, on that uh, by talking about the cinematography and that approach and sort of as how you thought about how decisions you made about how you would shoot it. Well, you know, I'll tell you, um, I I'm not a I would not be a great director on a soundstage. Um, I don't think Benny would be either. <laughs> I think um, um, now, what I mean by that is. Um, we shot in all real locations, right? Yeah, yeah. And let's say you go to Scout, um, you're looking for a house for Alana, and you happen to walk in, and it's 10 o'clock in the morning, and you get lucky because you walk in, and the sun is coming through a bathroom window, and it looks beautiful <laughs> like that, and you take a photograph of it, and you go, well, that's lit, you know? <laughs> and really, you're like, that, that looks great for that scene that fits the mood of it. It's mm. a great idea. Other times, you know... Um, you you're just playing the reality of a scene it's it's what what, what would be on you know yeah. how many lights would be on um yeah, uh, what lights would be off you know you yeah. just just constantly asking yourself genuinely um what what are the facts you know and 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 but um and not overreaching to make um it, it feel overlit or overly attractive you know um um, to just try to be honest and authentic, but also have one half an eye on that. It's also a movie, too, so we don't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to go full John Cassavetes, you know. It can have a little bit of, of, of something to it. Um, you had some arc lights. What's that? You had those arcs. We did. We had, we, yeah, well, I'm, you know, by the way, it's, yeah, it takes a lot of manpower to make yeah. it look all the, you know, we, we um, arc lights are, um, and uh, they're, they don't use them anymore, but we, 
they're the most beautiful quality of light. They're the kind of things that they used to use back in the 40s and 50s. They require a the big head. The big it's a big, big head. It's a carbon arc, uh -huh. um, which they don't really make anymore. They're not environmentally friendly <laughs> at all. Right. They they catch on fire. They have they're incredibly hot. You know, they're, they're incredibly impractical to work with. But they're yeah. incredibly beautiful, and the mm. quality of light from them. You know, it's the kind of in the MGM days, they would have you know 500 of them. I mean, really, 500 of them lighting these sound stages, all vented up through the, the roof, and we had two of them. And um, you know, in 100 degree heat in the valley, and the guys out there on on you know, you have to, you have to have somebody to man them. But the quality of light is so beautiful; um, it's kind of unmatched. Um, so that's always fun stuff to do yeah. to, to 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 dust those off and and uh, and work with that kind of old-fashioned gear again yeah. is is great. So when I was a kid growing up in Southern California, Licorice Pizza was the record store across the street from my grade school where I'd go after school yeah, to get yeah, to get records or tapes. Yeah. Um, how did you land on the title? Um, <clears throat> Well, desperation really is kind of an accident. We didn't know what to call the movie. We, 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 Soggy Bottom was the name of Gary's company. We called it, that was the name just while we were making it. Um, Gary and Alana, or Alana and Gary seemed too simple. And um, I flashed on Licorice Pizza because just like you, it's two words that make no sense, but when they go together, they remind me of my childhood. Yeah. Um, and when something like that gets in your mind, you think, well, let's just fight that idea off. That's maybe, you know, and then if it keeps coming back and keeps coming back, you have to listen to it. And there's a certain point where you just sort of collapse and give in and try it on, try it on the titles and say, looks pretty good. You know, let's just, let's, let's, and yeah, happy about it. It works. The yeah. film kind of earns the name. The good. name kind of fits the film. Yeah, yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, um, it does. It really does. It's um, one of those things that makes you, you know, you can s suddenly smell your childhood if somebody says a phrase or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. Um, just a couple more questions. Uh, we took a couple questions from from the online world. One of them I, I really liked a lot, and I want to read it. Uh, from someone named Joe. Uh, Licorice Pizza falls chronologically between Inherent Vice and Boogie Nights. Do you think it also falls thematically between those two? And is that something you think about when you set out to make a film or make oh. this film? <clears throat> no, I don't think about that. Where this all. film fits into the race relation of the others. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, if anything, I tried to, to um, talk myself out of making another film that took place in the 70s. I know I wanted to work in the San Fernando Valley again, yeah. but all these stories, the, the facts of them, the facts of the waterbed and the pinball palace and, and Joel Wax character, all of these things are, they're, they, they can't be told in any other time. You know, they're very, very specific to 1973. So, um, you know, you can't, you can't like, I don't have any kind of Marvel universe in my mind of trying to like, you know, how, how things connect. Um, but it's happening in front of us. It is, <laughs> yeah, it is unexpectedly. unexpectedly. I mean, I suppose, um, Inherent Vice is a lot more um, bizarre and confusing, and sort of the end of the the end of the '60s, and that kind of um, you know just after Manson, mm -hmm. and and what the temperature was. This one has a has a much lighter um, energy, um, and then the boogie boogie nights. I suppose 
I, well, when it gets into porn, it just starts to get you know so much more complicated. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, another question that came, this one from Instagram. How much of you um, or your youth is in licorice pizza and why did that matter to you or did it matter to you? Well, you know, there's um, <clears throat> a lot only because I, that's where I grew up and I, I, but I was probably only three or four at this time, but I still remember my, that time very, very well. Um, no, I didn't start a waterbed company or pinball palace, but it's really not a stretch. Um, to think that if it was a movie camera and all these knucklehead guys that you're convincing to help with you and then you've got to get a main partner in crime, it's very similar to what it means when you're young and you're making films. You're just constantly trying to get favors and, and, and get the energy and help that you need from your friends. So you could have inserted that into anything. Um, I did have a friend, uh, um, a, a girl, in my life who was friends uh, with, like a, a friend of mine had a, a, these older sisters uh -huh. and we like worshiped them and we wanted to hang around with them. And there was one girl that was very nice to me. And um, I, you know, she wasn't that nice to me, but <laughs> she was nice to me and she would, and she would give me, she would, she, we, she would give me rides. I'm still friends with her today. And she, she would, you know, it was, it, it was, it, it was, Maybe it was a relationship that started out as we need a ride somewhere, give us a ride. But um, but when I found that other friends were dropping off and it was just me and her, it was a great friendship that I had young in my life. Yeah, that I remember. Needing quite a ride well. was always a big deal, right? For sure, it's the only <laughs> thing, you know. Yeah. Um, Alana and Cooper and Benny. Um, I mean, I'm going to ask you a question that's hard to answer because Paul's sitting right here. But but help us, give us a window into. Don't, into working, don't take, don't into do working together. <laughs> this is good. This is good. Something, something. You know, what, what's the vibe like? What was the vibe like on this film? I'm not going to ask you to speak to all of Paul's movies, but something about working and collaborating either with each other or the kind of vibe on the set. I mean, my nickname on set was Teacher's Pet. That was. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. Love. We had a long history of collaborations. So. We we did. I mean, I I I. Being on set every day, I say it all the time, and, and I, I'm sorry that I'm repeating myself, but honestly, like, I hated leaving every day. I loved being there. I loved the world of licorice pizza or soggy bottom as it was back then. Um, Paul let me try the craziest things in my mind. I Can could, you think of some examples of some things that you... Um, one of my favorites is, what does your penis look like? <laughs> <laughs> That uh, was a, a thing that I tried, and it ended up staying in the movie, which was great. Um, but yeah, that came out of my brain. Um, and just even little things, like even even like like one of my favorite things is you're talking about pinball machines, and I'm a politician. That was one. I said it once. I never said it ever again. And that's what's in the movie. I mean, these are all things that it was so nice to come to a place and and feel free to try things and to have someone like Paul um, let me do that. I mean, I didn't expect that at all. I, I When I got the script, I was like, I shall learn this like a play. Like, I will learn everything. And then till someone real told me, like, you know, things change all the time. And I was like, oh, goodness. Okay, well, it's not a play. Um, but it was such a joy. to. I didn't want to leave every day. I, the only reason why I left was because I knew I was going to sleep. And then I would wake up at 5 in the morning with bells on. I'd put my 70s playlist on. I'd do my hair and makeup. And I 
would show up to set and start the day, and that was my day, and I loved it. It's sad. I I want to go back. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think. Um, I, uh, you know, I actually snuck in for like about uh ten minutes for the um for the Sean Penn stuff, and um. I actually got sad for a second because I, I really because I, I do miss it a lot and and uh, and it, it, you know it was it was hard it was uh, I wanted to leave a lot of days to be honest and I, I wanted to go home um, and I and there was a lot of days that were you know not great but but it, 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 I woke up with a purpose every day and that was kind of the best part I would say and, and it was like and being kind of in this different world was so nice. And being this different person in this different world was so insane, something I never experienced before, and something that was kind of so unreal, and um, and great. Um, and so, even watching ten minutes of it brought me back to that place of like pure kind of this euphoric feeling that I, I think I still trying to find in my daily life, but you don't have it in your daily life. You don't wake up with a job. You don't wake up with a purpose of like going and you're going to shoot this thing and everyone's working together to make this thing. And it's the best part of it is the creative atmosphere that everyone is so and, – and that's the best part about Paul's Films is that it's fun. It's exciting. It's it's um, like a lot of stuff. You get to try out your own things. You know, it's, it's the best kind of set to be on. But it, it's it's so focused and, un, and and it was the first time in my life that I had ever had that kind of experience of working on something – that you were so unbelievably passionate about, and I, that was yeah. And what was tough about it? What were the what were the harder parts? You said there were days when it was hard to be there. The, the tougher parts was just doubting yourself and just being I insecure see. and just being vulnerable and having to leave and be like, what the f what what did I just do? Right. Sorry, I don't want to curse. Um, but uh, but 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 it really was. It, it was, and I had never acted before, so it was kind of getting used yeah. to that. Being vulnerable, like there's a there's a scene that we didn't use, but I had to, I, I cried and I cried in front of a bunch of people, and I don't like crying in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. And it's kind of like you know you leave feeling like you've given so much to everybody, and that you don't get to take anything home, and that's hard. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely there. Paul has like a, a very deep respect for acting and the subtlety of everything. So I felt very comfortable being able to get really, really kind of, I guess like twitchy even like, and knowing that it'll be seen. And that's, that's a very liberating thing to do. Like when you're going and doing that, cause you realize, okay, this is going to be seen. It's going to be respected. And then on top of that, there's just like, I remember just being like, I said it last night, there's a competition, but not in an aggressive way. Just being like, all right, you be the best that you can be, and I'm going to catch it, and I'm going to see it and feel it too. And that's awesome, you know? It's very strange having another director on uh, set, I'll tell you. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Did, did you interact with him in that way? In any no, way? no, 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 no. You couldn't break that, I just kept, couldn't break that wall, right? Could you? No, I, no, well, I was very self-conscious because I just thought, um, you know, um, 
I have no idea what he's thinking about how we're doing this right now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Are you thinking like, is he judging me? Is he oh, like oh, completely. <laughs> Not necessarily me, but all of us. We've all worked together, and there's a kind of the peculiar. I, I don't know if it's peculiar because it could be. So that when somebody outside that you respect, who has done it before, is seeing what could be like, it could be chaos. It could be complete chaos. It could be could we all be bumping into each other. But it works, and it's yeah. our, It's like yeah. inviting someone over to your house, and it's just <laughs> right. like, God, it smells like cat piss in here. Really, you know, like. But, you know, the meal is good, I guess. It was like, so, and Benny is, uh, you know, not only a director, but he's all, I know he does, he, he does the boom, you know, so I'm watching Dave, the boom guy. I'm like, Dave, don't embarrass me in front of my friends, you know. We have company over, <laughs> don't. definitely company over that knows, that, you know, knows enough about, they, they could never be able to tell, you know. They, they, they were youngins who did, had never done it before. I'm like, I could be the king. I'm like, fucking Benny is fucking seeing all this. But at the same time, um, that really actually can work in your favor. And you do mm. feel that when you work with somebody because they know, they know the, 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 the realities of what's going on. Yeah. Not just in a practical sense, but they're... You, the, you feel a camaraderie of something working um, in a very strong way, I think, when it, when it is working. Yeah. Um, we're at the end of this conversation. This no. is your final. I know, this is I, I was just going to say, I got a little wistful listening to you all talking about it because I know that you've been not only making this movie together for so long and then um, on this world tour together and screenings and conversations, and this is the last one. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> <laughs> I mean, we could talk about more shit if you right. want to. <laughs> Can we talk about, let's talk for, what? I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> one of the questions I didn't get to, and, and I, and I, because it came in like a mult a few times uh, on, the, on the notes, was music. Um, and I thought we should just dig into music for a minute. And somebody had, one of the questions we got was whether um, these were songs that, that, that you brought in from your own childhood, songs that you were thinking about as you were writing, where some of the I mean, some of the songs just fit so yeah, well. Nina Simone. Um, no, not so much. Tumbling in. Not so much from my own childhood. Maybe uh, stumbling in. Stumbling which, in. Which which should not be in there, by the way. Don't tell anybody because that's from 1974 <laughs> or five. Oh, but but fits so perfectly. I know it fits perfectly. So don't look it up. Don't <laughs> go look it up. Um, um, you know, it's 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 a kind of goes hand in hand, sort of making a film in the 1970s that you're sort of a, that you get a, a real great catalog of music to work with. And while I've made to myself, you know, so that there's a lot of music that we're used to hearing. So you obviously sort of make an effort to sort of stay away from things that are. But at the same time. You know, uh, if you have an opportunity to use Life on Mars and it works, or that, that, that Paul McCartney track, which is so terrific, Let Me Roll It, you know, you have to seize that, that opportunity. Um, it was nice because I hadn't made a film with, you know, songs in a long time. Johnny mm -hmm. Greenwood's done great music for my films over the past couple of years. And, um, but this was a case where it really, it seemed like it was a great help in telling the story to utilize these songs from the period. Uh, which I loved, um, some of which, you know, the, th the 70s music, you know, it's so, it seems like an absolute fucking bottomless pit, you know, it's once insane. you think that you, it's, it's really crazy, yeah. they'll still send me things, like, <laughs> we, that we've never, like, where, where did it come from, you know? Um, 
And so that's that's a great gift. And I think it's usually just sort of, you know, you have an idea when you're writing the script of what you think might work. And, and, and then you get to the editing room. You're very lucky when it does work. And then sometimes things have shifted just enough that you look for options. Um, and, or something has, it just has too much, you know, going on lyrically. Then, then Nina Simone is a great way to start with her with her voice guiding us through, not the least of which is that tempo, which is Alana can walk so well too. Seems like a great, um, yeah, way way to go. And then, um, yeah, yeah, that's the approach there. On that. Wings doesn't get enough love. That's why yeah. I was I was I was happy to see that one in there. Yeah, Wings. Um, Clarence Carter was. That's there. Fun. There are a number of wings possibilities, but that was the one that was the strongest. Again, that back to your original question: Why movie theaters are good? <clears throat> I'll tell you why movie theaters are good. <laughs> because when Paul McCartney's fucking and Wings song starts and it goes, you know, like that's why you want to be in a movie theater with big ass JBL speakers playing it really, really loud. Yeah. That feels. Great. That's like gets you in your stomach, and it's like when you're with an audience, you go like, you like buckle your seatbelt. You're like, we got lift off, guys. We got lift off, you know. And that's that's a magical feeling. Don't get that on your phone. Don't get that on your phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're so grateful and thankful that all of you spent some time with us at the end of this tour to come back together for one more one more night <laughs> yeah. in this theater with us tonight because we had a great experience. I know everybody here yeah. did you. with your film. So I know I speak on behalf of at least all of my colleagues, but probably everybody in this audience tonight. We wish you so well next week. We're so happy for you and for this film. And have a great trip back. And um, thank you for being here. Thank you, Gene. Thank you, Lincoln. Thank, thank, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. So